Isaiah chapter 7, just, uh, just a verse or two, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot to us until you read what Matthew had to say. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as His mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. While trying to study for this over the last few weeks, um, what I read to you in Isaiah chapter number 7, uh, I never ever thought that that was um, in any way controversial or hard to be understood. Uh, but honestly, if you go read some of the commentaries on that, um, it's my opinion that they overthink things sometimes far too much and, and muddy the water far too much. Uh, there's only one person that Isaiah could have referred to. There's only one person that's ever uh, walked on this earth that has been virgin born. Why is the virgin birth so, so very important? Uh, well, without the virgin birth, there is no Son of God. Uh, there, the, the, the original sin that Adam uh, had within, uh, within him when he sinned has been passed to every man, woman, boy, and girl that's ever been born, save one. And his name is Jesus. He did not have the original sin of Adam. Therefore, he was not corrupted and tainted. David said it like this, that in sin did my mother conceive me, and I was shapen in, in iniquity and born in iniquity, that could only not be said of one man, and that is Jesus Christ. For if because he had not the original sin, he was pure, and he was holy, and he was undefiled, he was separate from sinners. And now if you read what Isaiah wrote, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
Well, Emmanuel doesn't really mean much to us in the Hebrew tongue, but back then they uh, they named their children for for special reasons, not like we do today with family names and this and that. They had particular reasons, but still, if you just took that apart from what Matthew said, it still wouldn't mean very much to me. Uh, But what Matthew said was, they shall call his name Emmanuel, being interpreted. Matthew gives us the interpretation of Emmanuel. Emmanuel is a name that that nobody in the New Testament ever referred to Jesus by that name. But it is a name, one of the many given to him from, from God in heaven. And Matthew takes time to break that down and said, Emmanuel being interpreted. I'm glad that Matthew took time in his writing to tell us what Emmanuel means. He said, it is God with us. I want you to just get a hold of that. That's what we're going to try to preach on. Uh, Just one name, Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. And now this angel had told Joseph to uh, don't be afraid to take Mary your wife, that that thing that is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And he said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Uh, That is a name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the only name actually given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Uh, So in other words, anybody that's ever been saved from the dawn of time to the end of the end, it'll be through and by the name of Jesus. Uh, There is no other name uh, given like that. There is no other name uh, that's going to be proclaimed one day that heaven and earth and all that's in the heavens and all that's in the earth and all that's in hell beneath the earth will one day bow at that name. Uh, that name Jesus. Uh, and he's called Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Uh, but I want to talk to you about Emmanuel. Uh, I want to talk to you about God with us. you understand what that means? Uh, that there was a point in time that the infinite, eternal God, a spirit being, uh, married himself with flesh. Uh, John wrote it like this, that the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then the Word was made flesh and dwelt among men. He tabernacled Himself into the flesh of man. It would have been a stoop if He had took upon Himself the nature of angels. That would have been a great big uh, condescending stoop that He made. Uh, But He did far, far more than that. He was made for a time, the Scripture says, lower than the angels. He clothed Himself in human form uh, so that we might have God with us. Now what does that really mean, God with us? It means that God is now married. Uh, that time and eternity are now joined together. Uh, that He stepped out of eternity and stepped into time. It simply means that the Son of God became, listen to this, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the Son of Man might be made a Son of God. That's what that means. I really want you to get a hold of that today. He had to be like me before I could ever be like Him. He had to come in flesh before I could ever be like He is. He had to come as a babe in Bethlehem's manger where there was no room for Him in the end, born in a stable. But what does that mean? 
God is now with us. If there was ever a reason that we had a story to tell, that they just sang well ago, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. One of the greatest events that's ever taken place on planet earth is the birth and the incarnation when God became a man. I said this a few weeks ago, but Paul in his writing to Timothy has said great is the mystery. I believe he said it was the greatest mystery that was ever known that God became a man. That great is the mystery uh, that, that he made himself a man, was seen on by men, uh, was believed on by men, was seen up by the angels, was preached on into the world, and then was received back up into glory. How can you ever comprehend God becoming a man. There is no way that anybody in this room or outside of this room for that matter can comprehend what it meant that God was now a man. That the eternal God who made everything including the Virgin Mary including her womb was now just a babe wrapped up in Mary's arms and having to, having to depend upon His mother to live. That is far, far greater than any one man or anybody can ever comprehend that God became a man. But I want to ask you, what does that mean to us today? Well, if you go back, Matthew starts his gospel with Emmanuel being interpreted God with us. How does Matthew end his gospel? It ends in much the same way. It ends with the ascension of Jesus Christ. But as he's ascending, he looks down on his church that he had just formed. I looks down on that church he had just called three years prior. I looks down on that church and he says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I want you to understand today, God with us. It's a wonderful thing. From the beginning of time, God was with Adam in the cool of the day. It says that they walked together in the Garden of Eden. Can you imagine that? It was truly God with us in the Garden of Eden and they would walk together and they would talk together. But then Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, it was no longer God with us. The light of nature says that God is above us. The light of the law of God says that God is against us because we are sinners. But the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ says God is with us. That's a wonderful thing. And all the way back from the beginning of the Scripture, you can find places where God has been with man. When He called Abraham, we talked this morning, out of Ur of the Chaldees, He said, Abraham, look at this land. He said, wherever you set your foot, I'm going to be there. Wherever you roam in this land, north, south, east, and west, I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to be with you. When Lot departed, God said, Abraham, I'm going to be with you. When Abraham had children, He said, Isaac, I'm going to be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When Isaac had a child named Jacob, he told Jacob the same thing. I'm never going to leave you. When God called Moses out from the mountain and had him lead his people, he said, Moses, I'm going to be with you. And so he was. It was a different kind of God with us 
But God led them through a pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. For 40 years in the wilderness they wandered, but they weren't just wandering. There was a light guiding them. There was God guiding them. And so He does with us today. But He said, I'll never leave you. We talked a few Wednesday nights ago and we were studying John 14. And what does He say there? He says, I will be with you. He says, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. Isaiah chapter 43 and I think verse 2, He says, I will be with you in the fire. I will be with you in the water. And you see, there are times in this life we heard a wonderful testimony from Sister Canilla last Sunday that stayed with me this week. How she said she prayed. Now, I'm not trying to embarrass you, Sister. I just want you to understand if you happen to not be here, you know what she said? She said, I begin to pray over the last few weeks when everything has been crumbling down and it seems like, it seems like everything is pressing in. She said, I begin to pray. I prayed that prayer too, Sister. I've reached out and I've prayed to God. I just stay by my side. Don't you leave me. Don't you forsake me. And always, every time, without fail, that word comes back to my soul. I'm right here. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You see, there are times that we don't have a bridge over the water. There are times we must wade through that water. There are times that God does not make a way for us to go around the water. But Isaiah said it like this. When you go through, not if, not if, when, when you go through those waters, I will be with you. I want you to understand today, he said in the same verse in Isaiah 43, when you're in the fire, I will be with you. We saw that, how it played out with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when the wicked king cast them because they would not bow, because they would not. Let me just stop right there. Just for a minute, let's park right there. You realize that in the state of Tennessee, uh, it's been uh, it's been uh, it's being shared that in the state of Tennessee, it's not some far off place, not some some great metropolis, but right here in your home state, uh, they are uh, they are enticing children uh, to join uh, after school uh, clubs that worship Satan, uh, painting Satan as a good person, uh, painting Satan in a good light, and uh, making all these beautiful drawings. Uh, Attracting your children to the worship of the beast himself. Enough has to be enough at some point. At some point, the men and women of God, the mamas and daddies, have to have enough faith to do what Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego did. And they said, I don't care. I don't care what it costs me. I will never comply. And I will never bow. I'm telling you that day is here. And you might say I'm scared to say much. I'm telling you if we don't make our stand right now. And make it right very soon. At this moment they will destroy everything that we have built. They're coming. I've said that for years. They're coming for these children. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, we will never bow. And the king said, you realize that if you do not bow to me into this golden image, if you do not comply in today's language, it would be if you do not comply to all the far left 
far uh, far liberal ideologies. If you do not comply to that, uh, we'll take your job, we'll take your means, we'll take your finances, we'll we'll tax you to death, and we're going to make you pay that price. That's fine. Uh, That's a sword I will gladly fall upon. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, I know what your statute says. I know what your decree says. But he said, let me tell you, we serve a God in heaven that I don't care what you do to us. The God that we serve is able to deliver us. You realize that's the same God that we serve. He is able to deliver us. But then they said something greater. They said if he chooses not to, even though we know he's able to, if he chooses not to deliver us, then we will still never bow. We will never transgress. And thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. They said, O king, I know what your law says. I know that we're going to be cast into this furnace of fire but you do what you have to do and I'll do what I have to do and so the king being wroth and angry he commanded them to heat that furnace seven times hotter than it was normally heated he wasn't just angry he was wroth he was furious going to make an example out of these three Hebrews who how dare they defy the law of the land how dare they and he commanded them to heat that furnace seven times hot. He heated it so hot that when they opened the furnace to cast them in, the flames came out and killed the man that opened the door. It was hot. And then not only did they cast them in, before he cast them in, he bound them. Bound them hand and foot. Bound them in their garments. And then cast those three, those three, those three Hebrew children into a furnace of fire. And the king sat upon his throne and he began to look, uh, thinking surely they're all disintegrated by now. Uh, but there was something that caught his eye. And you know what he saw? He said, did we not cast three men into that fiery furnace, bound uh, hand and foot, couldn't go anywhere, and just to have to endure that fire? And you know what his servant said? Yes, O king, we did cast three men bound into there. And you know what the king said? You've heard this story, but listen to what he said. He said, Lo, I see four, not three. He said, I see four men, and they're not bound anymore. You know what that Word of God will do? You know what salvation will do? You're no longer bound. You're no longer bound to that flame. You're no longer bound to that trial. He said, they're loosed, and they're walking around. They were in that furnace. Their hair hair wasn't singed. Their clothes weren't burned. As a matter of fact, they had no smell of smoke upon them. And the king said, I know we put three in and three came out but when they were in there there was a fourth and that fourth was like unto the son of God Isaiah said in the fire I will be with you there was a man named Saul of Tarsus one day Saul of Tarsus one day got saved and he became the great apostle Paul. And that great apostle Paul established churches. He he laid hands on ministers. He ordained people. He taught us New Testament churches how we ought to behave in the house of God. But you know, for all of that trouble, he was stoned. He was beaten with 39 stripes three different times. He was stoned. He was beaten with rods three times. He was shipwrecked three times. 
God. Uh, he was in perils of water, uh, perils in his countrymen, perils in the city, perils in the country. A uh, night and day he spent in the deep. And you know what he's saying? He said, at my first defense, uh, when God first called me to preach, no man stood with me. No man. But then he said, nevertheless, the Lord stood with me. What is that? That is God with us. That is when the world stands against us. If God be for you, who can be against us? If God is with us. And you know what that meant that night that he was born in Bethlehem's manger and those men came and the shepherds came and the wise men eventually came and they saw God with us. And God in heaven is now walking amongst us. That's quite a saying, isn't it? Uh, out of every trial of your life. And I prayed as I said, and I know you pray, God be with me. Uh, don't leave me. Uh, don't forsake me. And I've never, ever, 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 ever prayed that to what I didn't feel the Spirit and power of God. Uh, just something overshadowed me. Uh, something to let me know I've got you. Uh, that's what His church wanted to understand. Uh, that's what they wanted to hear. And uh, that's what they needed to hear as He was taken from among them and a cloud received him out of their side. He said, I'm with you always. I'm never leaving you. And read what Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 says. I will never leave thee. And I will never forsake thee. And you realize there is coming a day. We talked about it in Sunday school. When this world and everything that you see. All the stuff that people have accumulated throughout all of their lives. Everything that we've piled up, everything that we've made, everything that man has laid his hands to will burn one day. And the scripture says in Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, even the elements, even the elements will burn with a fervent heat. It says heaven and earth alike will burn with fervent heat and the elements shall be burned up and that fire will destroy everything that man has ever seen. Everything. There is not one thing that's going to survive that fire. Not one. It's all going to go away. It's all going to be burned up. And eventually death and even hell itself will be cast into that fire. You realize that? Now where does that leave us? It leaves us in a good place. As born again believers, remember, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. What did David write in the Psalms? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Do you realize that? We sing a song, Tim's selections today were right in line with this. That there's coming a day that when we reach out and we're going to grab our Master's hand and our Savior's hand and stroll throughout His promised land. Never a tear, never a tear will darken your eye. Why? Because in Revelation chapter 21, you know what it says? It says, Behold a new heaven and a new earth. It says, I'm going to make all things new. It says, God Himself shall be with His people, and He shall be their God, and they shall be His people. You know what that means? Eternity. Ages will roll on. Age after age after age will roll on, and He's still God with us. Still God with us. Still God with us. But again, that infinite creature 
married himself into a finite creature, that infinite God of gods, that Lord of lords, that King of kings, that loved you so much, and in order to give you an opportunity to be saved, he tabernacled himself. That's what Christmas is. We call it Christmas. It's really the incarnation. That's what it is. It's when God became a man. It's when God, because man was so sinful and man had broken the law of God. Let me read. I know I've said this. Let me say it again. The Son of God became a Son of Man so that the sons of man can become sons of God. That may be, and I didn't write that. So I have, it's not me boasting, I read that. That may be the most beautiful thing that I have ever read. To think of what He gave up to save you and to save me. God with us. Even the thief hanging on the cross. He just said one prayer. As far as I know, that's the only prayer the man craved in his life. It was enough. And all he said was, Lord, just remember me. Children, you listen. To be saved, you don't have to make some big oratory prayer. Matter of fact, you don't have to say one thing with your mouth. One cry from your heart is enough. If it's an honest heart and a true heart, a heart that wants to be saved, a heart that wants to not be a sinner, one cry from your heart, all that, all that sinner said was, Lord, remember me. And you know what Jesus said back to him? He was in agony. I don't know if you know this or not, but in order for Jesus to say anything on the cross, he had to put all the weight on that nail in his feet, raise himself up, scratching his torn open back on that, on that beam behind him, suck air into his lungs, which was like knives stabbing him all over. But he loved that thief enough to give him blessed assurance before he died to say, this day, today, you're going to be where I'm at. And I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. Isn't that good? Isn't that good, child of God? I mean, in order to cause somebody to have a shout and fail. To know that God of heaven, the God of very gods himself. You know what he says in John 14? Jesus, that little babe is now grown. That little babe in the manger, not a babe anymore. In John chapter 14, he's a grown man. And he's telling his church, listen, tonight's going to be the last night that we gather like this because I've got to leave. I'm about to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and they're going to crucify me and I'm going to die. But he said, listen, don't you be sad. Matter of fact, he said, if you loved me, you would rejoice. We heard a testimony back there. It's hard to give up loved ones. So hard. Jesus said, if you love me, you can be sad for you. But he said, if you love me, you'd rejoice. Because I'm going to my Father. And my Father is greater than I. He said, but it's better for you if I leave. And they had a hard time with that. They couldn't understand. How is it better for us if you're not here? Surely it would be better for us if you were with us in the flesh. But He said, no. 
it's better for you that I go. Because if I go away, I will send you another comforter. And he shall abide with you forever. Forever. See, Jesus couldn't be in one place, in every place, at every time, because he was limited to that body that he took. But he said, now that I'm leaving, I'll pray the Father. I'll ask the Father. When I get back to glory, I'll ask my Father. And He's going to send you a comforter. That word really means, He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That word could be translated orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. An orphan is somebody whose parents are dead. Her parent isn't dead. He's alive. I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And he said that spirit is God. And he shall abide with you forever. And he says this to those who get saved. We will come and make our abode in him. And with him. He is still God with us. If you've been saved today, He resides. He lives in you. There's a song we sing, How do I know He's real? Because He lives in my heart. He is God with us. And one day, when the elements burn with a fervent heat, where does that leave us? When everything that you see is burned up, I wish you'd have been in our Sunday school this morning. You see, God will not destroy the righteous with those wicked. He's taken us out. We're caught up. Snatched up, however you want to put it. We're gone. And God with us in that day will also be us with God. He shall be their God and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be their God, and God Himself shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. And He said, Behold, I'm making all things new. I have no idea what eternity is going to be like. I have no idea what heaven is going to be like. I have no idea what that new Jerusalem will be like. But all I know is it's going to be where He is. We sang a song before Sunday school this morning that eyes have never seen and ears have never heard. I have no idea what's going to be there. I know some of the who's that are going to be there because I've heard their testimony. Are you one of them? Have you ever shared your testimony? Have you ever just stood in church and thanked God for saving your soul. Just praise Him for being God with us. That 2,000 years ago, eternity was married in the time and took upon Himself His sinful flesh yet without sin. Born of that virgin. Emmanuel. Thank you, Matthew, for telling us what Emmanuel means. God with us. God with us. How many times in your life 
Child of God, how many times in your life have you been hurt? Have you been worried? I worry about worry. I turn my lights off and I try not to. My head hits a pill and every worry and fear that I've ever had comes flooding into my soul. That happens. Child of God, have you ever worried? Have you ever been in trouble with your health? What about the health of your family? What about the souls of your children? Have you ever worried about their soul? Have you ever worried about finances? How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to feed your children? Have you ever been so distressed and despondent of spirit that you cried out and found God was with you? God with us? That God makes a way? Sometimes He makes a way over the water. Sometimes He doesn't make a way over the water. But you find Him with you through that water. How many times have you looked back and said, Lord, I have no idea how I came through that flood, but I know You're with me. And I just want to thank You. You worry about these children and their souls. And you pray and God tells you they're going to be saved. They're going to be saved. They're alright. I, I, I don't know how God answers your prayers. But I know how He's answered mine. There's been times that I've been so anxious. So much anxiety. So much doubt. So much fear. So much worry. And all at once, it's almost as if I can feel two great big arms just pull me in close and say, I've got you. I know you're scared. I want to let you know it's going to be okay. God is with you. Whatever it is that you're facing, God is with you. Always. I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. That's why I'm confident we're going to we're going to lay down one time for the last time. And we're going to leave this earth. And as we leave this earth, we will have no fear. For God is with us. And He'll never leave us. I'm so thankful. God is with us. We sing a song at this time of year called The Little Town of Bethlehem. And the last part of the last verse, I think, says, Our God, Emmanuel. It's a name you don't hear Jesus referred to very often. But I'm glad He is our Emmanuel. God with us. And if God's with us, who can be against us? That's my message this morning. God bless you. Thank you for listening.